All right, guys, guess what? It's another episode of Behind the Visual with Mark Hansen, with me, your host, advertising lifestyle photographer, Mark Hansen, where I'm interviewing all those people responsible for the images and videos you see out in the world every day. And today, my guest is Kelly Coyne from Billions. He is Dollar Bill on Billions. This dude is a really, really cool guy. We talk about all kinds of stuff. We talk about, um, the first time he was on stage and did something and got a cool reaction from the crowd, which made him love acting, that was fifth grade. We talk about a commercial shoot he did for Guinness where the wise words of the director were, just give me something resembling something. So that was good. We talk about the difference between uh, theater and TV, acting for theater and acting for TV, how Billion shoots, uh, one of the really cool scenes between him and Axe where they scream at each other and how that whole thing came about, uh, what it's like working with Paul Giamatti, uh, his activism, check him out on Cameo where um, the money is going for his charity, which is uh, Culture City, which is really cool. So we talk about that a little bit. We talk about what Isaac Hayes said about his wife to him. So you definitely want to check that part out. So it's a really fun, fun interview. I think you guys are going to love this one, especially if you love Billions. It's a great one to check out. And uh, let me know what you think. Watch it. Then comment on it. Listen to it. Um, thumbs up it, like it, share it, subscribe to it, all that kind of stuff. And let me know what you guys think about it. Are you on the East Coast or West Coast? Brooklyn. Brooklyn. All right. Yeah. Where, where are you? I'm in Charlotte. You're, You're in Charlotte. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So I shoot up in that area some, but not lately. Yeah, yeah, your wow. stuff's beautiful. Thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah, yeah we just point the COVID thing was actually good for me because I was shooting a totally different way, way more set up, fashion kind of real hardcore, cheesy lifestyle. And yeah. interviewed this um, photo rep, and she liked my stuff and saw something. And next thing I know, I have completely changed the way I shoot. And I'm shooting the way I like to shoot now as opposed to shooting the way I thought I needed to shoot. Was that based on her influence? Yeah. That's great, man. Yeah, it was her and then a couple of art producers I know up in New York were like, you, I showed it to them the way I was going. They loved it. So, and I'm happy with it. I like it better than when I was shooting. So it's been good. That's great. I, um, a buddy of mine, a photographer, uh, he was the set photographer on both the Americans when it was on and has been for billions too, a guy named Jeff Newman. Okay. I don't know if you know his work. Um, but I always love seeing what, <laughs> you know what people do for uh for a living uh yeah. which for him is the set photography and he's amazing like the stuff he captures is amazing so I, I'm, I'm not diminishing that at all but it's also it was great when i finally when he and i started hanging out a little bit and i finally started seeing some of his uh his passion pictures his photos so it's like yeah. jesus fucking christ it's <laughs> so good i knew he was good i knew he was great um but i hadn't seen the you know the, the the level of his the depth of his imagination right you know so that's very cool. that's always been a job i thought would be a cool gig to have is being on set photographer yeah i i mean it's it's funny i forgot that well there was a there was a period of time when i thought it was something that had been that had gone the way of the dodo you know that oh, yeah. uh, not <laughs> i don't mean that the way it sounds except that it was sort of extinct because everyone yeah. had 
productions thought, well, we don't need them now. That's an unnecessary expense. Everyone's got a cell phone. We can all have pretty good cameras. We can all take great photos. It'll be just the same. And then it turned out, no, it's not. It's not just about pointing and clicking. I mean, that's great for Twitter and for live tweeting behind the scenes stuff, but, but there's no, um, there's no, there's no, um, uh, there's no replacement, you know, there's no, um, comparison to someone who actually has an eye and actually is an artist. Oh yeah. It's a totally different thing. Like when people go, what kind of camera do you, yo, that's a great picture. What kind of camera do you have? Give me your iPhone. I'll shoot the same damn thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you got the eye. Somebody compared it to going to somebody's house and they're having and you love the food and you're like, God, this food's really great. What kind of oven do you have? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I wonder what the equivalent would be like with acting. Um, I know that like there are times when um, when I, I remember someone saying that they thought Jimmy Connors was going to be a great, not Jimmy Connors, no, John McEnroe was going to oh. be a great actor. Because he was uh, like, how could he not be? He's entertaining. He's engaging. He knows how to play to a crowd. And I was like, excuse me, but fuck you. Yeah. Um, uh, I am. You know. I mean, his the whole. I haven't seen the TV show now where he plays the um, uh, the. I think I think it's the inner voice of a young of a teenage girl, and it's supposed to be really really fucking funny and and oh, I good. Heard of that. But I'm not gonna. You know, I'm, I'm not gonna put him. Um, in a dramatic role uh, or even a comedic role because comedy is not just about being a funny person. It's about recognizing timing. And anyway, yeah, so it's a totally I, I, different thing. it's a totally different thing. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> and just because you're a reality TV star doesn't mean you can be well, oh, wow. president so, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, or, uh, or, or uh, a TV star. It is interesting to me that a lot of stand-up comedians turn out to be pretty good actors. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure what that skill set is, even, even ones who had never acted before, but I, it must have something to do, certainly if they're simple and they can tell a joke, like Kevin James. You know, he's great on, on his shows because he just sticks within his, uh, his wheelhouse. Jerry Seinfeld, same thing. Yeah. And he surrounded himself with brilliant uh, comedian, comedic actors. Um, but there's some, there must be something about what it takes to be up on stage delivering a joke because you're living it it's almost like a one man, one person show yeah. um, for an hour or, you know, however long your set is, but, yeah, but I, that, that's always intriguing. So good doing drama as well. So it's not just comedy. Yeah. A lot of them are really good dramatic. And I worked at a, um, I worked at a comedy store for a while in, in college during the summer. Yeah. They're fucked up people. Comedians. <laughs> and I think that's a big part of it. I think they're so screwed up and depressed half the time that um, they can really pull off those dramatic roles because they're just reaching down into what they feel normally on a daily basis. <laughs> okay, that, that, that cracks me up. I'm going to tell Dan Soder you said that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my castmate who plays Mafi on Billions. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Dan, how fucked up are you? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah I got a number uh, for you to call. Hop on this podcast. Is, and I, got, I got a new friend who's going to call you call you fucked up on a podcast yeah interview. tell him give me a call we'll talk about how fucked up he is and uh, <laughs> well, well yeah, i mean I, destroyed. well i was just thinking um in terms of you know to bolster your point about comedians being um who haven't really been actors or trained in acting comedians being great sometimes great uh, dramatic actors sarah silverman um who you may have heard of um well, heard did of an, <laughs> yeah did an amazing turn in a movie called i smile back which was uh, which was written, maybe directed, but definitely written by Amy Koppelman, 
who Put a is. Chick who did your 24 hour thing or is that somebody else? No, no, but uh, Amy Koppelman is Brian Koppelman's wife. And Brian Koppelman is one of the uh, uh, the two co-creators of Billions and showrunners of Billions. Yeah, okay, so that's like, kind of- The name sounds familiar. Yeah, and she wrote this book, I Smile Back. Uh, it was turned into a movie and brilliant movie and Sarah Silverman did an amazing job. And it was comedic and harsh and brutal, and, but amazing. Um, so yeah, I don't know what it is. And you were just saying Robin Williams. Yeah, Robin uh, yeah. Williams to me, when he first did a dramatic thing, I was like, holy hell, I cannot believe he can pull that off. He sort of paved the way. Uh, yeah. And he had studied um, at Juilliard, you know. He was, yeah, I heard uh, that I later. He, he was trained as an actor. Um, and then you've got guys like uh, Adam Sandler, uh, Punch Drunk Love was, yeah. I thought, fantastic and still was very quirky. But then what was the one he just did recently where he was a jewel, a jewelry uh, salesman? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the guy with the gambling habit. Yeah, I cannot remember. Uh, and you know, I have, I have not seen it. I have it on my list, but I have not watched it. Brilliant I performance. It amazing. amazing movie. Brutally um, uh, uh, upsetting. It, not a fun movie to watch, but it was uh, but just really, really good. What was uh, that called? I'm I heard it was like a lot of screaming and just pissed offness and a lot of pissed offness. Uh, but it was, it's really, really good. I mean, I, I can watch a lot of unpleasant stuff. Uncut gems. Uh, yeah. I can watch a lot of unpleasant stuff. If it's, if it's good art, yeah. just because that to me is, is exciting and exhilarating. But, uh, but that's a, that's a harsh one. I'm going to have to check that one out. I mean, like yeah. I said, it's on my list. I've just got to make time. Because I don't think my wife will probably be like into it. We were going to watch it with everybody. Yeah. And I'd heard it was kind of harsh because I have two yeah. daughters. They're both, well, almost one's 18 this weekend and the other's mm-hmm. 20. And then my wife, but my wife, a lot of times she's just like, I can't watch this. Yeah. I mean, my, my wife is, uh, uh, isn't necessarily down for the relentless, two hours of relentless um, awfulness yeah. <laughs> i mean she will but she deals with a lot of that in real life uh, she tackles it in real life so what's your wife like, do well my wife is a um she's a uh, let's see there's so many hyphens here she wow. is a dancer she's an award-winning uh, modern dancer um and uh, uh she is wow. a, a historical marine ecologist um and uh, works with organizations and on projects that deal with um, the intersection of urban and, and na- nature and, and the ur- and urban life, nature in urban life and the, the coastal, the, the waterfronts in New York. Um, it's so easy to forget we're on an island here, a series of wow. islands. Um, and she teaches communication, science communication to, wow. um, to sciences, uh, scientists, helps them figure out how to um, communicate better with lay people. So she does a and she's an activist, so um, she uh, she does a lot of of work with social justice, and um, uh, so she <laughs> she does. She's a little bit busy. She's a little yeah. She and she's infinitely more interesting than I am as a person. <laughs> I keep telling people. Oh yeah, uh, I, I get it. My wife, she's this. Um, oh, I thought you were about to say. Oh yeah, I imagine because this is yeah, not because, yeah, very you are boring to me. me to death at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Just is it over? God damn! How long? I get, I get that a lot. Yeah. yeah. That, <laughs> it's like we're we're what ten minutes into it. I'm ready to just be done. Now, who is this uh, guy? My wife was given. We were at something, and a friend of mine, his wife, was giving a speech because she does some kind of thing with kids. And my wife runs the outpatient treatment center for drug and alcohol abuse. And this oh. dude works at the bank and just 
sits in front of a computer doing whatever, and I'm a photographer. And I looked at him, I was like, our jobs are really completely useless compared to the two of these women right here. We do nothing for society at all in any kind of way. We married up, as they say. Yeah, I did for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well. Absolutely. But I, uh, tell me, what yes. made you want to be an actor? Um, the girls, no, I, I don't know. That's why I'm a uh, photographer. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, um, I don't know exactly. I know that from the earliest years I can remember, I want, I liked it and I wanted to do it. I didn't have the, I mean, I'm assuming you haven't stopped me before. So I'm assuming I can swear on this you can, uh, podcast. You can say whatever you want, man. I didn't, I didn't develop the balls to tell anybody that I wanted to be an actor until probably uh until i think it was my sophomore year of high school really um did you know yeah, before that i mean was it oh like yeah i knew but i just i didn't know anybody who was an actor yeah. it seemed like such a silly thing to um an, an almost unimaginable thing literally unimaginable because i couldn't imagine it i didn't know what that life would look like uh but i loved doing it you know and i was lucky that even in junior high in small town mountain town of oregon uh, Sisters Oregon, which at the time had a population of 700 and I believe 41. Wow. Um, That's huge. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, it was. Where tiny. is that? Where's that in Oregon? Like what section of Oregon is it in? It's in central Oregon in the Cascade Mountains. And it's, um, uh, it's not far from uh, Bend. Okay. And Bend is sort of the hub, especially now. Uh, things have changed over the past. Uh, this was, you know, 30 years ago. Yeah. But um, anyway, uh, so I was lucky that even there, there was a good uh, program. We, they staged um, challenging plays. And um, in high school, when we had moved to D.C., again, challenging department. Um, and I, I just I loved it. My dad was a politician. He was in Congress. And so I saw him in front of people. And I saw him speaking both extemporaneously, which sort of was, you know, it's like improv uh, in a way. And I saw him speaking in a, in a scripted way that actually could elevate something off the page. So I saw him performing and it wasn't a negative performative thing. Um, it was, it's just the inherent thing that you have to be able to do. If you oh, yeah. are a representative or a senator or somebody and you want to get something done, you want to inspire people, you have to, you can't just say... And in my second term, I would like to, you know, you have to, you have to sell your vision. Yeah. Um, so I saw him doing that. I also saw him being comfortable with people. My mom was a singer. She didn't do it professionally, but she was a beautiful singer. And, she, and I saw her perform. Uh, my grandfather played mandolin. Um, oh, and uh, look at the yeah, I know. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. He was a, a rancher and among other things. Um, and so I just saw, you know, I had family that was in front of people and we were in the public eye. My sister was also a beautiful singer. Um, uh, we were in the public eye and I got used to it. So there was no fear of it. And it was sort of thrilling. And I was the kind of annoying kid who, when my parents had parties, I would, I pulled out my little knock, knock joke book and I like stopped everybody, all 50 people. I was like, stop, stop, stop. Uh, what's an astronaut's favorite, you know, uh, favorite right. meal? And they'd be like, I don't know. And it'd be like launch. <laughs> and, and it would all be whatever, but I loved it. I'm sure they were the worst parties because of that, that Brett kid, um, the O'Coin kid, but I had such a good time. So I, I think I just, I, I wanted to do something like it for years and I didn't know what it looked like. And I finally 
I find, I, I don't know. I did, there was nothing else I thought I, there was nothing specific I, I wanted to do. Right. So that I, I had no other specific goals. I think I could have figured out something else. I'm not dumb. I could have figured out another path, but I'm, I'm really happy I had that delusion um, that I could make it and that I wasn't going to shoot for a, a backup. I'm not saying it's the safest way to go because um, a lot of stuff can go wrong, but, but I, I'm, I'm glad in my case that that, 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 that happened. It took a long time. I mean, I, my, my path to whatever you want to call success has been really, really slow, but, um, but I had the support of my family and support of my wife and you know, if, you lucky. if you had a plan B, you probably wouldn't have made it there to where you are. I, it, it's possible. It's really possible. Now this doesn't, I mean, because look, you could you can say I'm not going to have a plan B, and you know there are acting is a skill that can be taught, but I but I still think that if you don't have I'm not I hope this doesn't sound weird, but I think if you don't have inherent talent, you can only go so far, um, and sometimes that talent is very specific. You know, a very specific type of character actor that can do one thing, and you get discovered, and you make an entire career out of that, and that's great. Um, but whatever it is, so it's it's but it's precarious because if you, I always want to tell people never give up on your dream, but if your dream is truly delusional, if you really are not, if what you want, you love to do is not what you're actually good at, then it can lead you into a life of misery. Oh yeah. Um, but um, paradoxically, if you're going to make it in the arts in general, except for those few that we hear so much about that make us feel terrible, who became famous at 20, um, <laughs> But that's statistically insignificant number of people that that happens to. Um, but if you are going to make it, then you have to indulge that delusion. And you don't know, it might be a delusion. It, you, have to, you have to embrace the delusion in order to get there. And it may ruin your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, God, I sound like such no, a pessimist here. True. I tell my assistants that all the time. I'm like, listen, if this is what you want to do, yeah, you can't have a B because if you have yeah. a plan B, probably five years into this, if you haven't made it, you're going to fall back on plan B. Or your parents, right. say, why don't you go and do the accounting job that you have your degree in, or whatever? Yeah. And you know, it 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 is. I I think I was lucky. I didn't. I never. Success never meant fame for me. I, I, I was never, I'm still shocked when people recognize me. Uh, some guy at the gym before the, the mask era, some guy at the gym, like was 30 feet away from me. He was like, you're such an asshole. And I, was like, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I was like, did I not wipe down the, the, the machine or, or what? And he was just like, no, 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 dollar bill. He's such an asshole. Yeah. And I was like, oh God, I'm so, wow. It's still, it's still, surprises me because i've lived in anonymity for so long and it doesn't happen all the time but it just it surprises me i wanted to ask um, you that. Uh, but, but but i was just going to say so success for me meant just making a living so that i i didn't have once i got to the point where i did not have to have a survival job survival job yeah you know i i had cheap rent which was key um i didn't indulge my wife and i um my wife in particular very frugal she keeps my 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 impulses stifled, so, uh, but the, the the overspending impulses. So our nut was low, and um, and we just, you know, we we made do. And and success for me was was um, not having to do anything to make a living other than act. 
Uh, and sometimes that was commercial. Sometimes that was industrial. Sometimes that was trade shows. Sometimes that was, um, you know, sometimes it was a great play. Sometimes it was movie or TV show, but it was like any of that. I'll do it. I love it. I love all of it. I just love being on set uh, or on stage and working and vibing with other actors. So that I, so I did not need the success that has started to come since my forties. Right. Um, but it was a good, but it allowed me to stick it out till things caught up, you know, when um, TV moved to, to New York about 10, 15 years ago. Um, so those of us who came here to act in theater actually got a chance to, to do some interesting uh, TV. Sorry, yeah. now, no, no, now no. I'll let you speak. <laughs> no, that was, I mean, that's great. I love hearing all of that. So now I've got like multiple questions. Like, um, let's go with the first one. I was going to ask it later, but you brought it up. So if you had to choose between being the guy who's like the supporting actor, constantly working, making a nice living, but the thing where you only get it from like one dude in the gym every once in a while, or somebody walking down the street occasionally sees you and recognizes you, would you want that? Or do you want like, would you prefer to have, you're the star of the blockbuster movie, you're making 20 million a pop. Everybody knows who you are. Every time you walk down the street or try and have dinner, somebody's asking you for your autograph and wanting to have their selfie made with you. Yeah. You know, I, I, it's, it's funny. It's, it's hard to, to compare those two. First of all, I have no idea what that second is really like. Yeah. Um, there's nothing wrong with making $20 million a picture. Oh, I mean, the, it just, of course, I, I think about the, the place I'd live um, and helping my family and friends and doing the George Clooney, you know, writing them all. I, I'd probably more write them more like a $10,000 uh, check right. rather than a, a million dollar check. Cause Clooney's had a number of those $20 million oh, yeah. movies. Um, but um I don't, I guess the only way to answer that is because I also think about how much you give to charity and how much, um, uh, how much good you could do in the world and how fun um, action movies would be to do. So there's a lot of fun there. I guess my, my take would be that I don't need that. Right. Um, what I want and what is a, a my my goal is to keep doing and it, it, I still am I feel lucky and honored that I've reached that point is to be in that first category um I've been able to make a living I've been able in the past uh seven or eight years uh been able to do some really interesting things um a little notoriety is is fun although it's not necessary and it's um um seems sort of silly at times, um, but it can also be fun. I mean, you have someone who tells you, um, you know, about the Americans, how mom moved that whole thing was, how, how that just how moved that whole thing was, how moved they were by that whole right, thing. Yeah. Or, um, <laughs> um, you know, it's, uh, I, I'd say what, I, I, I feel very lucky and fortunate and honored to be in that first, first category. Yeah, they're not, I mean, I don't think there are a ton of people who get to that point. I think there are a lot of people who want to, but, and try, yeah. but I mean, I think you're doing a great job. What Thanks, was, man. You're talking about um, doing commercials and stuff. What was the cheesiest commercial you ever did? What was the one where you thought, <laughs> well, I, oh my God, I'm just going to, I just need to 
pull this off and <laughs> I've never I've never had one where I'm just like oh, this is so beneath me or anything like that. Sorry about that. Um, I've never had. Oh, do you need to take that? No. Huh? Okay. They're calling on my home phone. They don't know me. Yeah. Fair. Um, I've never worked on a commercial where I've where I've I've felt that I'm better than it. Um, better than the project. This is beneath me, right. or anything like that. I, um, I've worked. I mean, on, I'm thinking more like just one where you just like this is just goofy. not as beneath you, but it's just goofy. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, let's see. I, I don't think I have worked on something like where I've wanted to get up because of that. There have been unpleasant sets and unpleasant um, backstages, uh, un- unpleasant processes, processes because of the people involved. Um, there is one that was, uh, and this was my fault. I didn't know I could, it was one of these times when I could not figure out what I was doing wrong and I was just wasting everybody's time. Um, it was a Guinness commercial and I was this, uh, <laughs> so I was this in the middle of the night. I was this guy coming down and I was hungry. So I was uh, in my house, open up a fridge and then I hear a noise and, um, I look over at, and it's Christmas coming up, and uh, I look over at the, the fireplace, and um, uh, 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 Walt Frazier, um, the great basketball player, yeah. um, has come, he's coming out of my uh, chimney with a, out of the fireplace with a Santa suit and a, ba- and a, and a, and a bag, and he's like, hey, and he gives me a Guinness, um, or he, he's like showing Guinness or something like that. Um, so when I auditioned, um, I literally did this and the guy was like, give give us a couple takes to the camera. And I literally just was like, <laughs> that was it. And then I got hired. And so I was like, well, that's what they want. And then, so I did that. I would do it in the, in the fridge and I just, and then, and the guy was like, all right, well, you got to give me something. And I was like, oh, oh uh, Okay, and I tried to hone that thing. I was like, oh, I'm not, I must be doing too much or something. I, I'm not giving him that deadpan take right. And he just get, he got more and more frustrated with me because it, he actually said to me at one point, do something resembling something. And so well, then I started getting- great direction right there. Oh my God, but, but it's also, I, I sort of, it, it, I, I'm sure I was doing something that I could have done something to better connect with him or, or try to, understand better what he was looking for um i don't think it was either of our finest moments um i don't remember the guy's name it'd yeah, be fun I would actually that he would at least come over and go give me something similar to and show you like yeah even even, even yeah i mean I, but I, I i then i started getting too big and goofy and i remember it was in someone's house uh they they, they you know rented a house right. to, for the for the shoot and i could see the producers and the clients who are all sit they call it video village they've got all the monitors and the things and in their uh, director's chairs and I could see them all in there. And of the director, I saw him just take off the headphones and just go. <laughs> and then, and then it was like, okay, thanks. And then we were done. And um, I am not. I was not surprised that the commercial never ran. Oh, um, wow. it was cool talking to Walt Frazier. I'm a well, huge basketball fan, uh, and that was cool. But uh, yeah, it was. I should find out, see if I could figure out who that director is, and then write to him and just be like, dude, you want to? Do you want to? Do, wanna, do take two? Want to try that again? <laughs> he probably would at this point. He might, yeah. Or he'd be like, oh, you're the guy who ruined my career. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
anyway, so that was a set I wanted to get off uh, of right away, <laughs> but that was for different reasons in your question. Well, I, I don't know say, if he was that if he was directing the way you said, he probably might not have a job anymore directing. Right. And I, you know, I remember these directions because they were the ones that embarrassed the hell out of me in the moment, yeah. and humiliated me. Um, so he probably tried for a lot longer. I, right. I, I like, give him the benefit of the doubt. There's a very good chance he was like, okay, we need a little more uh, or some expression or something. He probably did something. I don't remember any of that. And so in, in person, when I'm with family and friends and I tell the story, He's a monster, right? <laughs> but, but now that we're public, I should probably say, in case uh, he's listening, uh, I'm only remembering the bad things that are probably that could be exa exaggerated in my brain because I was uh, so embarrassed. Right. Well, let's but, just say if you're not exaggerating, if that did, I I do better than that, and I'm just a photographer. Paul's <laughs> not giving me what I want. I'll at least come over and go, this is what I'm looking for and show her exactly what I want. And sometimes it looks really stupid. And I'm happy when the model does what I showed her back because I look at it and go. Oh, yeah, I was wrong. Yeah, that was really bad. Do you do so when you shoot people, do you um, do you work with uh, with non models, too? Because I know yeah. that that when I've been in photo shoots more recently um, from headshots I've done all my life, but then in other shoots, I feel I have such a hard time feeling comfortable. Um, do yeah. you have a different way of making people feel comfortable when they're not used to posing for the camera? I don't know. Sure. See that? See, yeah, that was my, that was my version of a pose. Yeah. That's, that's why I don't do photo shoots well. I don't know what that was. Was it like Todd Dagan Nights where he goes, I don't know what to do with my hands. I don't know what to do with my hands. Uh, well, that's one of the brilliant moments in cinema history. I love that movie. Yeah. I try and tell them to stop trying to pose, stop yeah. trying to model. I just want them to be natural and almost as if I'm, and it's tough to do, you know, trying to pretend there's not a camera pointed at you. But I try and tell them, it's like, just pretend you are waiting on someone who's half an hour late and you're just <laughs> fidgeting. Yeah, other than the facial expressions. <laughs> and I'll actually tell them, I was like, I don't want the facial, I don't want you going, and This like kind that. of thing, it's like, <sighs> Yeah, I had somebody, okay, I shot, I was doing a test shoot for this small little agency many, many years ago. And there was some guy who wanted to be a model so bad. And he was doing these cheesy poses. And one of them, he literally had no watch. And he goes, all right, I don't <laughs> I think we're going to not do that one again. That is one of those classic poses that we all, when we're, when oh, we're yeah. making fun of photo shoots, we all go like, or I think Steve Martin did it in the 70s, you know, and it's like that. There you go. <laughs> and like, yeah, <laughs> that's it. But at least yeah. if you do it. You should have a watch on. I think if you, at least, I yes, mean, it's, it's bad even if you have a watch. But yeah. at least have a watch on if you're gonna do it that bad. But yeah, I yeah. just try to tell them, I was like, just just fidget and don't think about it. And you can repeat the same thing over and over and fidget. over again because so you know you hand in your pocket and you look around and you drop the hand out and you still just kind of turn your head. Hands just kind of like you're waiting, like I said, you're waiting on somebody and you're just kind of antsy for them to get there. Huh. So you're just kind of moving around and you can do the same thing over and over and over again because we're only looking for one or two shots. Yeah. If you really like the shot of you with your thumb in your pocket looking off to the side and you only do that one time and the one time you do it, 
the photographer clicks it right as you're blinking and you look like you're high as hell. Right. Can't use that shot. So do it. I did a dude. There was a guy in Palm Springs we shot, paying this guy, I think it's like 2500 a day or something. So he was getting mm -hmm. pretty decent money. He had four poses. He literally had his, put his hand in his pocket with his thumb out, took it out, let it kind of hang by his side, brought it up kind of like this, did like that. And then he went to the other side, did the same thing, hand in the pocket, hand out, hand here. And he just went from this side to this side. And mm -hmm. that's all he did the entire time. But how the photos time, turn out? Perfect. Great. That, yeah. And that's actually really, that's empowering to hear in a way for my next shoot. Uh, but I, I remember the one, one of the shoots that got, uh, that a lot of the shots were ruined because my mouth was, I was trying to be like, and I just ended up looking like pouty, angry guy. But, um, but the ones that did work, were, it, was in, it, it was interesting. And he's a fantastic photographer. The quality of the shots was great. But he was like, move through things. Don't ever get static. Like if you want to touch your face and stuff, do that. That's fine. You can do all that, but just keep moving. And it's sort of the thing you're saying, fidget. Yeah. Um, but then I just, what I did wrong then was be like, <laughs> you know, that's yeah. where you, you fuck up the, the, the shot. I think it helps too is if you go back and look at the pictures afterwards. Yeah. And then you look at, this is what I like. I like it when I make this face or when I'm yeah. in this pose and I hate it when I'm doing this or doing that. I think if you go right. back and you really study those, then it gets to a point where, I mean, I've shot models who they've done it so many times and looked at themselves so often that they will tell me if I'm like, turn to the right over here. And they're like, can we go to the left? Because this is really my better side. And you'll set. And you'll yeah. yeah. I did from these photo shoots. Actually, I've been told what my better side is. I know that it's actually good to know. Uh, I have one side that looks like my face at birth was kind of squished. <laughs> one side, this side. Is it that it's side? Like, it's a little, like it's a little odd with my eye and that sort of thing. And this is a little, I mean, you know, n nothing about this is stellar, but um, <laughs> but at least this is more open and this is more squishy. No, you're a handsome, handsome man. Checks in the mail, my friend. Yeah, right. <laughs> I tell my daughters that they, they go, I don't know, my eye looks a little small. It's like, everybody's got one. Everybody has a weak eye, yeah. you know, don't worry about it, or a lazy eye, or whatever you want to call it. Everybody's got one. That's interesting, so, yeah. What was your Do you eye? subscribe to the idea of that symmetry is the, um, is the, uh, the, the foundation of beauty, symmetry in a face? I don't know. I think sometimes not symmetry, having that... Yeah. is a little bit better, I think, because it's more interesting. And, yeah. and I think if you look at somebody who's very symmetrical, at first you're like, damn. But then you kind of go, eh. Yeah. They've got a little something off. I think it makes it a little more interesting. Like if their lip goes up a little bit or something on one side and then the yeah. other. Or... Now, it's a little weird if you have one eyebrow that stays up here and the other one's right down. That's a little freaky. <laughs> so, and to all of you who are watching this and were just yeah. insulted by that happy <laughs> eyebrow thing, he doesn't mean it. I no, I know. Yeah, I, I know really what you mean do. too. Because I've never, <laughs> I've never, <laughs> I've never really subscribed to that. I've heard that it's like yeah. a classic, classical idea. But you know, when when I was growing up, the sexiest woman, the sexiest movie star, as far as I was concerned, was Ellen Barkin, and she's got really? that great when she smiles or gets like she has a great sort of squishy look yeah, on her yeah, face. Yeah. And I know that doesn't sound sexy, and squishy is not exactly the right word, but there's something off center about her face that is so 
beautiful and sexy and, and all that. So, anyway. that. but then again, yeah. I've never thought the Mona Lisa was like the greatest painting ever either. I never no. had the smile. And I was like, to me, it's just some chick with no eyebrows. That's half ass smiling. And again, to all of you <laughs> with, no eyebrows. with no eyebrows, please do not take offense. Uh, I'm losing my eyebrows, actually. I used you know to you can have them like tattooed in or something. I know I'm not going to do that, but, I, but yeah, you totally can. But I, uh, I saw a picture of myself from when I was in college and I had dark eyebrows down to like here. And they're, really? they're, every five years I'm losing, losing territory up there, losing yeah. yardage. Do you have hair on your legs where your socks are? Uh, or you bald, like have the bald ankles? Oh, yeah, I do. Damn. Yeah. That's yeah. what's happening. I'm just losing hair like it's going yeah. out of style. A little bit up here too. <laughs> I'm losing a little up here. Little I'm, thin, I'm thinning a little. You're thinning out slightly right now. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, good hair guy. <laughs> I don't know, man. My we keep saying it's the milkman or the mailman that uh, is my dad, and it because my brother has everybody in my family has dark hair, and I have more. Uh-huh. It's harder to tell here, but I have more red hair, and I have thick hair, and my brother's three years younger than me and he's got a nice little bald spot back here. My dad does. And I tell my dad all the time, he says, you need to, you know, we go to the same doctor. He said, well, it's good that we go to the same doctor because they'll see what's coming up for you in your future. I'm like, no, I'm the mailman. <laughs> <That's baby>. so- <laughs> it pisses him off. <laughs> but he thinks I'm, he thinks my mother used to say that, or she said it one time as a joke. And he, I don't know if it really ticks him off, or he thinks that I really believe that. Oh, that's fine. And he worries about it. But I, oh, but that's I think my sweet. dad is really the mailman. Well, that's that's a sweet thing for a dad to worry about. A little odd, too. A little but strange. That's, uh, yeah, <laughs> a little but... strange. I'm learning a lot about your family dynamic in yeah. this, uh, this interview. It's interesting. <laughs> uh, so what was your first role that you got excited about? And you thought, you know this is going in the right direction. It was old King Cole in the trial of mother goose in fifth grade. So you knew right uh, then I'm going to be a star. No, uh, but I'll tell you what it was about that. Um, I remember doing something off script. Like I think something happened uh, that wasn't supposed to happen. And I, um, I reacted to it. Um, as me and the character, whatever, reacted to it, and the audience laughed. And it was the first time I'd ever experienced an audience reacting to my uh, improvisational um, reaction to something and my instinct. And I just was like, what, what just happened? That felt good. Wow. Um, so that probably was the first moment of, of, uh, of just like, I'm not going to call it flow, <laughs> but, but uh, the first moment where I didn't think I reacted and it got a reaction and I was like, I want more of that. Um, that ease, you know, yeah. I, I think that was when I, I started to realize I'm really easy on stage. I'm comfortable on stage. Um, first, oh God, I mean, there, it's so hard to say. I, 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 when I got into the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, just being a part of that festival was yeah. thrilling. Um, I was there for a couple seasons. And then the next year I got to play um, a lead role, um, Lysander in Midsummer Night's Dream. And that was exciting. Um, my first professional play in Portland, Oregon was thrilling. I was like, I'm going to get paid to do this. That's yeah. that, no fucking way. Um, 
And then I don't, I, you know, I haven't chased after roles as much as I have uh, projects or directors. Um, and to, to be honest, what I've chased more than anything else is just if interesting scripts come, come across my desk or laptop, um, finding a way to be a part of it. Um, uh. So I'd say more projects excited me. My first Broadway show um, was uh, Julius Caesar with Denzel Washington. And um, oh. when I, and it was a nice little role, I got to be a little, little weasel, like, you know, like a yeah, yeah, sort of to, right. to Denzel. And um, I think I actually irritated him in, um, in rehearsals. And I was <laughs> like, but I love you. Um, but it, that was huge. Um, I, I think of, not to be goofy, but I think of uh, theaters, actual theaters as sacred spaces. They're like my church. And so walking, when we moved in, um, the first day when we moved in from the rehearsal room to the theater, the Belasco Theater here in New York, um, I just was like wandering around, looking at the flies and the spaces and the ropes and the, all the stuff that was, you know, from the 1800s or early 1900s. I can't remember when the Blasco was built. Oh. Um, and called my manager and called my parents and called my wife and just was like, I can't believe I'm here. I'm going to, I will, no matter what happens in the rest for the rest of my career, I'll always be able to say I was on Broadway. Um, so that kind of thing uh, really, really excited me. And when I got my first series regular contract on a TV show, that was huge too. But um, what show was that? That was billions. Those are my first, I've been a heavy recur on a lot of shows, yeah. but I, um, but I haven't had the, uh, the contractual distinction of being a series regular until billions. Um, cool. yeah. So that kind of, you know, that was, that felt like a big moment. It wasn't quite as, that was like a yeah moment as opposed to the sort of spiritual thing I was feeling on the Broadway stage, but, um, we're still both good feelings. I would think. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I, I do remember not, I mean, so I'm sort of strafing at an answer here, but um, the first times I was just offered gigs straight out, like like big gigs uh, straight yeah. out, straight up at the, the theater piece and a, um, um, and a TV show where I didn't have to audition. I was like, th those things felt good because they were, I guess that sort of speaks to what I've said before that I've wanted. I've always wanted to make a living as an actor. I want to be, you know, that, that term, that guy, you don't know what his name is, but you remember him from stuff or hers. I'm not, it's, uh, there's so many women uh, fall into that category as well. Uh, male or female actors. I want to be part of that group. I want to be one of that guys, <laughs> one of those guys, those guys. Um, and, uh, and so that's what, like those moments where it indicates arrival in a certain way, or it indicates, I guess that's, a, as, that's as good a way to put it as anything else. Those things are, the, are what excite me. Uh, and uh, I have chased after certain plays, uh, Arcadia by Tom Stoppard. Um, when I read it, I was like, this is my favorite play ever. And uh, I pushed to audition at every regional theater that was doing it that year. Um, it was like the year after it had been on Broadway. And, um, and got in place called theater virginia in richmond virginia it doesn't exist anymore but it was a great theater great space and i got to do this role septimus hodge who's was originated by billy crudup on um, at lincoln center and broadway uh and it's a great role and so anyway that kind of thing um uh 
sometimes excites me. It's just, it's gigs, gigs, working. The, the act of working excites me. That's what I chase more than anything we else. You can tell. I mean, you're not just sitting there going, well, this. And, I mean, you, you can feel very excited <laughs> as you're talking about it. So it's, yeah. you still get excited about it, which is great. Totally. Was there a big difference between, so did you do mostly stage theater stuff for a while? So when you yeah. first did a television or movie set, what was the transition like to that? Was it a big one or was it just kind of just moved right into it? It was big. It was different. I didn't, uh, it took me, uh, it took me a long time to get regular uh, TV or screen work. Um, and my first day with a, with like a sizable, my first scene uh, with a sizable role or sizable scene um was uh was a law and order episode it was like my second one and i was i was too loud you know and i was too i mean the woman you know she was sitting um angie Harmon was sitting four feet from me and i was uh, i was just like well yeah i don't know uh because i was trying to reach the back of the of the room um that's just like the instinct kicks in um and I knew better, but I, it wasn't natural yet. Um, right. And so the director, and, I, and then I was rushing and I wasn't really breathing. And when I messed up a line, I was just like, oh. And he came up and he said the best thing he could possibly have said. And someone else said he thought that they, they thought he was being a dick. I don't actually. He said, it's okay. We can, we'll, we, we can shoot it as long as you want. We're a big time TV show. We have lots of money. Don't worry about it. You know, like essentially telling me, um, he recognized where I was right. and that I was getting in my own way because I was afraid of fucking up. And um, that led to me tightening and being too loud. It led me to um, not really think about, I was thinking too hard about what's the line yeah. and, and I wasn't able to actually play ball with the actor. And, um, and uh, once he said that I calmed down and we ended up having a really nice scene. I, I, I had that on my reel for a long time. So I, I used to have to watch it a lot. And I was like, that was good. That was really, that ended up being good. And it could have been a disaster. Uh, I still, I mean, theater was my base, is my base and, and was for years. And it was only in my forties when it started, I started to do more TV than theater. I still am able to generally do, except for the, this whole pandemic thing you may have heard of. Um, a little rumor about it. Able to, yeah, I've been able to do a play a year, which is great. Um, it's still my first love, but, um, I still feel like I'm learning, which is great. I mean, I'm learning in both, uh, both ways, but not on both uh, mediums, but, uh, it's fun to watch people and pick up. It's like, Oh, right. I don't have to do that. Or, Oh, I can do that. Of course I can. Why, why, why do I limit myself? So. Well, that's good. Yeah. As long as you still feel like you got stuff to learn, it's a good thing. A good place to be. Always. Always. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How do you prepare yes. for these roles? I mean, especially, is there a difference in preparing for theater and preparing for TV? How you prepare? Totally. Because theater is all about the rehearsal uh, and then putting in front of an audience during previews and rehearsing during the day and then opening and, and running for the, and, and going, you're let loose for the run. But it's all about rehearsal ahead of time um, and packing in as much of that as you can. TV, you don't have that luxury. You, you, you don't really have rehearsal. You can, you go through it once or twice, but it's more for, it's as much for blocking and right. general tone 
uh, general idea of what the th what's happening here, especially if you're shooting out a sequence, trying to remember where this comes, what level you should be at emotionally, oh, yeah. if you're going to have to be really high in another scene that you're shooting in five days, but it's the very next scene. Um, or what came right before that you haven't shot yet, but comes chronologically before. Oh, yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Um, so it's a completely different way of approaching creating scenes and creating moments. And um, what I think that's part of the reason why it was more difficult for me for a long time when you have these little one-offs uh, where you're doing, even if you're doing a whole episode, it's still, you know, two weeks at the right. most, probably 10 days. Um, but what's been nice about it was uh, happened with the Americans and um, even more so with Billions is that once you've been on a set with a role for years, if it's like with the Americans I was on, maybe average like four episodes a year or something like that, um, or Billions where I'm on almost every uh, yeah. week, you have this you have created the backstory. You, you know who the person is. You don't have to come up with that from scratch like you do in the first week of a rehearsal of a play or the first oh, yeah. weeks. Um, so you have that. And all it takes now is figuring out what the given set of circumstances of this episode, how that would impact this character that you've already created. You know, we're five seasons in now. We know who we are. Right. Um, we can still learn things about ourselves, but that's just about adding on to this, this creature that you've created. Um, so it's a fundamentally different way of, of, uh, of approaching stuff. So for, well, when do you start shooting billions again for the last half of season five? Uh, well, we're oh, hoping to waiting. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. I, uh, we're hoping to get back in the, in the spring. Uh, that's what we're shooting for. Okay. So yeah, you know, we all of it in New York. Uh, yeah, we have. I'm, uh, I'm sure they've done some scenes in Connecticut or Jersey, right? Or that kind of thing. But it's yeah, it's That's in New York. That. Yeah, you guys have a, a big soundstage, or are you written out from? We have a number of different sets. Back when Chuck was um, the U.S. Attorney, he yeah. had space uh, in a studio in um, in Glendale, Queens. Um, he actually shared the other. The only other show that was shooting on that space was the Get Down. If you ever saw that show, the Get Down. I heard of it, but I never saw it. It's really good. Um, yeah. I'm sorry that it didn't get a second season, but it was about the rise of hip hop in the '70s. And yeah, I remember seeing um, it, but I didn't get a chance to watch it. I mean, I saw the preview for it or something. Really good, and it was a very interesting um, juxtaposition with that show with all the kids right. from the '70s and and then this show with the with the you know the the, the billion show. Anyway. Um, so that was a set. Our set used to be up in Orangetown, New York for the first two seasons. And now we uh, are in a, um, uh, a studio in, um, in uh, Brooklyn. Right. Um, but mainly they just, they, they use all that I mean they love their foodies. Brian and David, the showrunners are foodies and they, they love to go around to different places in New York and different restaurants. And um, they're just interested in people and things. And so they love to put the characters in these fast so places. In the restaurant they want to eat in. Yeah, and they yeah. and they yeah, <laughs> uh, maybe I don't know, but uh, they also just um, I think they love New York, and if you're shooting in New York, why not take advantage of the backdrop of New York? Yeah, because you can't fake that. You know, there's nothing worse than seeing a uh, um, an LA production that's like there's some back lot. It's like this is New York, and it's like no, that's yeah, the Friends set. Terrible. The Friends 
sat that street that that in no way resembles any part of New York. <laughs> and no yeah. one has apartments that big. <laughs> yeah, the apartment's huge, isn't it? My God. Even though even the one that they were like the lame one across the way, um, Chandler and uh, yeah. uh, Joey's place. It was like, that's an amazing apartment. Yeah, that's a good Fuck one. Thank you for that. Yeah. It's too small. <laughs> I get every time I see the opening for the Andy Griffith show, I just look at it and go, that's not shot in the South. That's <laughs> totally LA right there. That is California. Well, MASH, MASH was not shot in Korea. That was shot yes, in yeah. LA too, in those hills. Come on. <laughs> but whatever. It's, it's, it's fine. Uh, hopefully people will look past it. Uh, but anyway, most it, but it, notice. No, but it is fun when a, when a show can, a movie or TV show can really take advantage of, uh, of the backdrop of the city that it's in. Yeah, because the the New York energy, the show is so much about that New York energy, that having it actually in the city, I think that actually gives us more energy. It gives the show more uh, authenticity. Oh, and, absolutely, um, that's yeah. I, that gets exciting. If they were trying to shoot that out in LA, it would be horrible. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, think I, so. I don't think it would have lasted five, six seasons. Right. Although it's showtime. If you're listening and you want to move to LA, I'm, I'm not saying I won't go. <laughs> I'll go with you. I think if you think it's a good idea, I think it's a good idea. Well, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. What do you guys drink? And you drink bourbon all the time. What are you actually drinking? Bourbon. Bourbon? No. Uh, on set. Uh, it, it's usually like an iced tea of some sort. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I don't need decaf, but my, um, some, they have a decaf and a caffeinated um, sugar-free um, Iced tea. Iced tea. Do you, how many tastes do you guys average, do you think? It depends. It completely depends. But I think in general, I'd say if you can do, if, if you're into five takes, yeah. you're pushing it. Are you using um, multi-cameras or are you just using? Yeah. Some? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But they, it's, uh, there's not a lot of time. Um, right. And uh, so we, we, we're, we're good at getting things in, I'd say, three takes usually. But, um, but again, it depends on the scene, depends on um, uh, what, what the location is. Uh, axe cap is kind of difficult because we've got all these glass surfaces. Oh, yeah. I mean, glass walls and yeah. um, a lot of reflection. Sometimes you have to, you have to worry about um, getting the crew in the reflection uh, or the boom mic. Um, and then you can also see everyone in the background. So if uh, a background actor is slightly off or doing something distracting, then you have to retake it too. And not not saying that they're doing anything wrong. We right, have a yeah, great yeah, group, yeah. great group, and some of them have been with us for the excuse me for all five years. Wow. Uh, but we have a really really good group of, of, of background folk, background artists. Yeah, it's a cool show, man. My favorite scene, and you have it actually have it on your reel, is the one where you and actor fake fighting, screaming at each other. <laughs> how long did that, how many takes did that take? That was bad. I mean, that was a good part of a day. Yeah. Um, but partially because of all, I mean, they had tons of actors watching. Mm -hmm. So they had to get those reactions. Um, they had to get all kinds of angles. And um, we, the, I've, I've said this before, but one of the, odd things about that was that I had lost my voice a couple days before. Really? And so when I um, was doing that scene, my voice was really, really, really croaky. And um, you can hear it when we're, when I'm walking in and I'm, I say something like, thank you. Thank you. My children in the background where they're all chanting yeah. Kaiser. Um, you can hear it a bit, but it turned out that 
if I was yelling, my voice sounded more normal. And fortunately, the scene was all about yelling. Right. I can still tell that I, I feel like I'm a little monotone. I think I didn't have the, 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 the melody that I could have created, but doesn't matter. I think the scene turned out well. Um, but I, that freaked me out because that was the first big scene I got uh, in that show. I mean, there was the face-off with, with Chuck um, three episodes earlier, and we shot a lot of stuff that was cut out of that, that final scene. So I'd had the experience of doing something really cool. But that was the first really, really fun, oh, my God, we're going to get to do this? Oh, that's yeah. so funny. That's so... Um, so I thought I've ruined it. I am. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I told them I, my voice was bad. I lost my voice, but I didn't really impress upon them that I really meant I lost my voice. Right. And so I just showed up and freaked everybody out. They're like, wait, you lost your voice. I was like, well, I thought I said that. And you're like, yeah, sort of. Uh, a doctor came, was called on set. Really? And I thought he was going to like inject me. And I was like, I'll take it. I'll take it. It's right. steroids. Just make me speak. And he just was like, yeah, try not to use your voice. It's really bad. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> uh, so that was useless. Um, but the director and Damien, director uh, Karen Kusama, who is a brilliant, brilliant film director, uh, directed that episode and directed the Ice Juice episode of Billions, which is uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. both the, uh, very much like a heist movie uh, over the course of an hour. She's brilliant. And then Damien was really supportive. And um, uh, and we just played, again, I, I bring this up. I know it's a sports metaphor, but I played ball. Like yeah. it was just feeding off of each other and having fun. And it was hard to keep from laughing. Um, uh, but we had, we had a blast. Uh, we spent, I'd say, half a day shooting it uh, from all different angles and um initially we were trying to find exactly the right tone like how much are we winking right. at each other how straight are we playing it and um it was and how long when he first brings me in the room does it take me to figure out what's happening um you know stuff like that but then once we figured those things out it was just off to the races and um and it was really cool it was really really fun it was I a steady was a cam and yeah. another cam it was great yeah yeah, I thought it was very cool. When That's you, great. I'm glad. How is it like, what's it like working with Paul Giamatti? He's the worst fucking nightmare. That's kind of what I figured. Yeah, yeah. it looks like it would be. <laughs> I, I've only done the one scene with him. Um, he Every I time I see him, and it, Howard Stern completely ruined it for him. For me, I love pig the vomit. dude. I think he's a great actor, but yeah, I think pig vomit every single time I see him, unfortunately. <laughs> he's a great, great actor. We have such good actors in this i mean you know damien paul maggie siff david costable condola rashad i mean all these toby moore uh jeff demun who plays chuck senior yeah. just great great and asia dylan um just great actors and we're really really lucky um paul is one of the nicest guys i've ever met funny really mischievous sense of humor um we I saw did, your IG live with him that you had. Yeah, it was pretty we cool. Talked for like, uh, we talked for like an hour and 45 minutes just about whatever. And it was so much fun. We talked about spontaneous human combustion and, <laughs> and what true north means uh, and, uh, and then shows and stuff like that too. But it's just, I, lo I, I could talk to him over a whiskey or two or three um, for you know for 20 for 12 hours straight he's just he's so much fun and he's really smart terrific actor um really versatile sweet i 
only have had done one scene with him. It was halfway through season one. Right. And um, I'd love to do more, but it was, it was great. He's very responsive as well. Uh, I still see, I'm such an, I'm such an acting nerd. If I'm in a scene with somebody and especially if there's someone I really admire and I just do something slightly different and they react to that, they change their reaction to that. Yeah. That I, what I did, I'm like, oh, I just had an effect on her performance. And then I, step back and i'm like yeah we're acting fucker <laughs> like, but i did i did i had two lines in a movie with meryl streep and i remember sitting really? across at the table from her and she reacted in the first day to something i did i did something slightly different and she reacted in a different way and i was like oh my god and then I, again i had to be like right that's what acting is god you're such a yeah. nerd i get it meryl streep for sure it's fun whoops lost my there we go oh, yeah I've done i that. got so excited i kicked off my uh my cord <laughs> yeah i've done that multiple times this thing yeah. just ends up on the ground like i'm time to pick it back up <laughs> yeah i gotta get uh, wireless headphones anyway. yeah but yeah he's i thought he was everything i've seen him in i thought he was great and then that's why your ig live with him he looked like he'd lost some weight and grew his hair out yeah i think everyone who can uh, has grown their hair out yeah. <laughs> and he went the other way we're all growing beards he went the other way and yeah i thought he shaved it off clean shaving for it yeah so i guess he's got to start preparing months, i guess months in advance so. if you guys I guess so yeah. the whole thing back interesting i know it's going to be interesting when we go back to do um to to uh, have our fittings yeah because i've certainly i certainly put on my my covid19 <laughs> Well, it's interesting if you watch, if you binge a show, because I was watching, um, my, my brother got me into watching Cobra Kai. I love Cobra Kai. I started I watching that. And I noticed that season two to season, was it season one to season two? How many seasons are there? Two or three now? Three? I think three just dropped. Okay, yeah. So I'm watching three. I noticed from season two to season three, all the kids have changed. Yeah. Like the guys have, you know, they've obviously grown up a little bit since the yeah. last season. And you look at it and go, if you're watching this back to back, it's you're going, what the hell just happened here? It's a little startling. And yeah, I did. I, I think I've been. No, I didn't. I watched the first one and then came to the second one. I'm really looking forward to the third. Um, I am. I'm trying to start a stealth. Um, uh, stealth advocacy campaign for me being on that show. I want to be a guest star on that show. Um, you, I, I'd love to be recurring. Do? I don't care. I don't care. I mean, those guys, they're so funny on Twitter. We're, we're, um, we're, uh, we've become Twitter friends, the, the two main guys in charge. And, um, and so that's fun to banter. But, um, and I don't want to push because I know that that could be annoying. But I think in a stealth way, I'm going to yeah. be like, just like I want to be around. Like I feel like I'd be a good recurring character. And I think, I think a villain. Okay, that would be or maybe good. against yeah, type. Maybe like the anti-dollar bill. Maybe. Either way, whatever. You gotta go to Atlanta. You're not convinced. You're no help. I think you would be great. I'm just sitting here in my head. The problem is I'm sitting in my head trying to figure out. Okay, what what would the person be? How would they write you in? What would, and so that's mm -hmm. what's going through my head. I'm not a writer. Yeah. What the hell am I even thinking about that for? Right, and and they've already dropped season three, so it'd have to be season four. And so that's like, yeah. how long are we going to wait? And I, I, I assume they're going to stick around because it's insanely popular. Yeah, I'm, um, I've made it through all but the last episode of season three, so I've got that last oh, one to watch. And you can tell I, it's going to go into a season four. I haven't even started season three yet. Yeah, so. my brother watched it all in one day. He just sat there and binged the whole thing like the 
the weekend it dropped or whatever, him and his wife just sat there and watched the whole entire thing. It's great to have something um, because I'm trying to work off the weight I've gained over the, of the pandemic. Um, uh, one of the things I'm like, I'm on the, the Stairmaster and I'm oh, yeah. trying to watch stuff to keep me focused. I had never watched the Jordan last dance before. Oh, yeah, that's great. And it's so good. And I, like there's a whole section where he beats my trailblazers and gets offended because people say Clyde Drexler was on his level. And I'm just like, I remember that too. I remember the shrug um, when he destroyed us in a game one. So a lot of painful memories, but it's so interesting. It's so, cause he's an interesting, yeah. whatever you think of him, he's an interesting person. He's a unique person. And so that's fascinating. And then all the characters and, uh, but then just like, it's a microcosm of the game that I grew up with, you know? So that's fun. Yeah, I thought it was a great show. But yeah, I think you'd be good on Cobra Kai. Thanks, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was watching that day yesterday. I was, they were filming something, and I looked at it, and there were trees turning colors in the background on this lake. And I was looking, and I was like, that doesn't look like it's in California to me. And I found out they shoot <laughs> a lot of it in Atlanta until they have to oh. do like, the exterior scenes. And then they go to L.A., and shoot whatever the exterior scenes are. I love Atlanta. My um, I, uh, the board of the charity I'm on has its um, has its uh, 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 has its board meetings down in Atlanta. We go there all, right. all the time. Yeah. So I oh, that's good. See, this is this is it I gotta, works. It's perfect. Yeah, it just works. Exactly. What charity is that? It's called Culture City. Uh, it's an autism awareness and rights organization. Um, we uh, we train. We train staff at uh, public arenas, public spaces, uh, how to handle people who are having breakdowns or meltdowns and to recognize what's actually happening, um, create safe spaces for uh, and sensory spaces for um, people, quiet spaces for people with sensory needs, yeah. um, and um, kits like headphones to, uh, to, and weighted pads and, and things to help uh, uh, the people handle something like a, a pyrotechnic show at a, right. at a game or something or the loud noises. So yeah, it's about helping people with sensory needs um, have access to these spaces. That's very cool. Is that what your cameo yeah. is the charity your cameo is? Yeah. Well, I was doing a lot of election stuff uh, and during the lead up to the election, and it's a lot of stuff for Georgia during the runoffs oh, yeah. lead up to the runoffs, but uh, yeah, and that's what my cameos are for. And, um, and we also have started a, a legal fund now this year, Dominique Wilkins is on the board and he and I started a legal fund for, um, uh, for people with disability, uh, disabilities who are having their rights taken away. So. Oh, wow. That's very cool. Yeah. Do you get that from your dad? Is that something like from a kid because your dad was congressman or whatever? Was that something? What, a, to him? Activism or social justice? Yeah. All of that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's from my mom and my dad. My mom was a, was a huge activist, uh, which is part of probably part of the reason the two of them, um, found each other uh or were attracted to each other but uh yeah I, I think so i mean i grew up in a family i've said this before but I grew, I grew up in a family where the phrase fighting the good fight was bandied about all the time and not ironically right um the good fight had a capital g and a capital f um it's like john lewis getting getting into trouble but making good trouble yeah um so yeah probably Probably, and particularly social justice issues. Um, voting rights is a passion of mine, um, uh, fighting voter uh, suppression, and, um, and uh, you know, access for people um, across the board. 
I was thinking it's very cool. I mean, definitely need people like you out there doing it. It helps. Thanks. Tell that to the Twitter people that are like, stay in your lane, actor. It's like, I grew up with this shit. This is my lane. You get out of my lane. <laughs> Did you see the one where some girl said something about, she was on TikTok or something. I don't remember what it was. But she said something, or she was, she was doing some kind of thing, and she had a Metallica t-shirt on. Mm-hmm. And she got so much shit for having a Metallica t-shirt on. They're like, you don't like Metallica. You don't even know anything about it. I bet you can't name three songs from Metallica. The chick's response was she pulled out her guitar and said, like, you only got three songs. She immediately played three Metallica songs on her guitar. And I was like, what else you got? That's awesome. Yeah. That's like, awesome. Just giving people shit just because I figure it's, and I tell my daughter, it's like, because they're completely unhappy with their life. Yeah. And they just got to talk shit about somebody else and try and make them bring them down somehow. Yeah. There, I, I, I think there is, there's a lot of that. Um, just like random aggression. But I got to look that up. I, that, that would have been a that would have been a nice clapback. Yeah, I cannot remember what it, I saw it. Like, I think it was on Instagram or something. I'm sure. Right. I saw it. Yeah. Or it just came across on some some kind of feed. Okay. The um the episode thirteen of the dominant ones we did with Dominique Wilkins. Yeah. Is that his house? Oh. Um, I had, uh, that, that is his house. Yes. Right. That's um, a lot of cushions, a lot of pillows on a lot of cushions. House. So we had shot, oh, I had, <laughs> he had a different version of that interview, um, where we were sitting inside the house on these tall stools with backs. Um, that was, I thought that went great and I was physically comfortable. Um, and then they reshot with a different format cause they were doing some other interviews and, um, killer Mike and, um, bunch of other people. And, um, and I was, so I reshot and I didn't feel particularly great about that. We'd flown really early in the morning. I was exhausted. I couldn't stay up on the cushions. I felt like I kept falling back. Yeah. Um, and so I was, uh, I, I still haven't looked at that interview yet, but that, that show got a second season, really? um, the dominant ones. And um, he asked me to co-host. So we actually have shot 10 interviews. Um, There's Zoom now, but we shot right. 10 interviews of the second season of The Dominant Ones. Oh, that's cool. Um, and it's been really, it was really fun. And um, I love that he asked me on uh, to co-host with him. And um, it's been a nice, that plus the IG Lives has been a nice um, you know, it would be outlet, really nice. outlet for this time when I'm not doing anything creative, you know? It would be really what? nice if you would link the dominant ones from your website so I wouldn't have to Google that shit to try and find it. It hasn't, it hasn't dropped yet. Okay. Um, All right. Because we I was like, damn it, man. I think you're going to make me have to search it. <laughs> no, I will. I will definitely put it on, my, uh, on the website. Um, Who's the dude in the background? There's some guy in the back outside while you guys are talking. Right here? No, no, no. Right there? On the dominant ones. Oh, God. I don't know, man. Some guy walking around in the back doing something outside i don't remember i mean it, it was his backyard so maybe it was the crew guy or maybe it was uh maybe it was a gardener yeah, <laughs> i don't maybe. know could have been he has a big backyard yeah um, i saw that from the from the drone maybe it could have been a pool guy too um some chunky white dude that was me thank you was- i'm right <laughs> I can hear you. Yeah, you but. I can see. Yeah. <laughs> I just been like, it was your fat ass. There. Yeah, that's true. That's right. <laughs> Who is the dude in the background, though, since we, you point to it in your picture? Oh, that? That's in my your, dad. Oh, where's, where is it? In the subway? I can't tell what the hell it is. 
So he logged, so being from Oregon, being a congressman from Oregon, he logged a lot more miles back and forth to the district and to uh, between the district and us than, you know, a Connecticut congressperson would. Yeah. But this was, um, someone snapped this when he was in the airport. Oh, and I wow. just, I love this picture. That's a cool shot. Obviously late at night, obviously 70s. Look at those glasses yeah. and the width of that tie. <laughs> but I, I love this. I love this picture. I mean, he did, he worked his ass off. And I know it was really hard on my mom and him, um, the distance. But um, how many years yeah. did he do it? 18, wow. 74 to 92. Okay. First district of Oregon. So it was like the river down to about Corvallis and then from the coast into half of Portland. So it's the upper Northwest corner. Right. right. We have some, we have some land out there. We have a tree farm in Myrtle point. Oh, cool. Wow. I don't get out there very often, but occasionally I get out there. Very cool. I like Oregon. Yeah. I'd love to have some property out there too. I I miss it. Um, But I, I do have my aunt lives in and my cousin, one of my cousins, lives in central Oregon, not too far from where uh, the mountains where we were. Um, my parents live in Portland. Um, my sister lives in Bozeman, outside of Bozeman, Montana. So there's a lot oh, of West I can, I can get to um, with family still there. That's very cool. Yeah. All right, man. I'm gonna give you the last question. Okay. Same one I ask everybody. What is the strangest thing that's happened to you since you've I guess it could be in anything. Usually I say since you've been in, like, in the whole acting business, whatever, the strangest or most interesting thing that's happened to you? I mean, for me, it, it's, it's sort of mundane now because we're friends, but um, you know, meeting Dominique Wilkins and becoming friends with Dominique Wilkins was, was is, when I stopped to think about it as it was happening, was like, this guy was a hero of mine, you know? This is like Magic Bird, yeah. Drexler, Jordan. Like, I, it's like one of those guys, one of the Pantheon guys in the sport you're obsessed with uh, from a time when you were younger and particularly uh, obsessed. Uh, that, that's been, that still blows my mind, although now it's just sort of normal, which is cool too. And, and then now, oh, now that I'm saying it, I'm really like, cool. wow, that's normal. That feels mundane. Now that's, that's crazy. Um, I can't, I, it's hard to say. I mean, just there, there was one when I was doing Caesar um, on Broadway, the, the Denzel Washington Caesar. Yeah. You have an actor like Denzel Washington in a show. It's going to attract a lot of attention, obviously. And I remember at the after party, opening night after party, um, meeting Spike Lee, who was like, hey, Mr. Cocky, you know, and <laughs> meeting Samuel Jackson, who we had a long conversation just because he liked the he liked the character, liked the show. Wow. But the thing I guess I remember most was, um, so Isaac Hayes was there. And, you know, Isaac Hayes is the ladies' man. And, yeah. and, uh, and this was in the middle of when he was playing Chef, where it was all about uh, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> taking the ladies down by the Yule log. Uh, uh, but... So he and we had a really nice little interaction and my wife came up and um, I introduced her to everybody and everyone was great and nice. And she was just like, oh, this is, she was having a good time. And then she was like, we're going to be over here. So she went and then I was saying goodbye and I was going to go with them. And Hayes stopped me and looked, pointed at my wife as she was walking away. And he was like, 
<laughs> and I was just like, so, you know, like Mr. Sex was like, and I, and I told her and she was so, she was so not offended because he was right. very oh, sweet. Yeah. And, he, and even to me, he wasn't being a dick or lascivious or anything. He wasn't like, Ugh. but it was just such a surreal moment because it was such an Isaac Hayes persona thing to do. And he was doing it to me about my wife and I was able to tell her and she was like, he, that he said about me, you know, it was like a weird sort of funny, um, that's a trip. strangely that's cool. charming thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's very, so, yeah, I can see these that. Aren't, these aren't particularly interesting stories, I'm sure. But, uh, but yeah, it's just being on stage with Denzel Washington was one of the weird, I don't know. I'm now I'm just listing things that I thought were cool, but, um, I haven't had, uh, I've had moments of just like, I got to pinch myself because I have to remember when the inevitable troughs hit that, that these are good. There are good things that happen. There are interesting things that happen and that there, there are things that 20 years ago, I might've never really thought were, were reasonable to hope for. Um, So, and, and they're small or they may mean something to me, but they don't necessarily translate that well. Like I was like that moment when I was doing, I'm not even answering your question. Now I'm just talking about something else. But that, the, the moment when I was doing another play and I found out that morning I was going to be on Broadway and I was about to make my first entrance and I was backstage and I just was like looking up the ceiling and thinking that thing I just told you. It's like, I can always say no matter what, I will have been on Broadway. And that just joy, that feeling of joy and accomplishment and arrival. Um, That's uh, huge. It was huge. It wasn't weird or funny, but it was huge. Good. I mean, the the Isaac Hayes thing, the Dominic Wilkins, I mean, that. (laughs) Oh, I did forget. What's your favorite wig? Oh, well, I hate that fucking Pastor (laughs) Tim wig. Um, I I was in this period of time where I wore tons of wigs. I I have to say I really liked, like, they did a brilliant job. And I love that the final season when I got that haircut, when I had that one scene in the final season of the Americans, I liked, I, then I liked it. But I loved the Hercules Mulligan from Turn. I love that wig because yeah. it, oh, it was yeah. sort of this flowing kind of thing. It made me look much sexier than I actually am. So that was fun. There you go. Sexy, sexy. <laughs> sexy Kelly. There oh, you go. <laughs> do you ever go with you and your wife? Do you all ever make reservations and they ask for your names and they think we all, it's going to be two chicks showing up and then it's you and your wife? Uh, I often get, um, I thought you were a woman, thought you were going to be a woman. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for rubbing that in. No, I, no, I have no problem with that. I think it's actually kind of funny when I was young when I was in grade school, I did get punched by a a girl from the sixth grade when I was in fourth grade because I had a girl's name. Okay. Yeah. Literally just hauled out and punched me. You have a girl's name. And look I'm not sure what the connection now? was. What's she doing now? Nothing. <laughs> Married that woman. Did you? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the, in the Bad News Bears, the, the, the badass guy, his name was Kelly. Oh, really? I think so. Okay. Think All right. The Bad News Bears, like the, the coolest kid, the one who could beat everybody's ass. I think his name was Kelly. Sweet. I, I wish I'd known that growing up. I could have studied the guy's moves. Yeah, exactly. S- scared some people off. I, get, I used to have really long hair, like, me too. Oh, really? Yeah. My, mine was down to about about here. I, I, used to, I said mine used to go down. I always tell people, it's like, mine goes down to my, where my bra strap would be if I wore a bra. Sure. And so I was yes. hanging out. I yes. cost, if I wore a bra, that, this is, as far as you know, I never did. 
But yeah, so I would have us hang no out. No judgment if you do, brother. No judgment. Sometimes it's fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there were occasions. There was like someone was like, "Excuse me, ma'am," and I look up. She said, "Oh my God, I'm sorry." I'm like, "I my hair is like halfway down my ass. I get it. You're gonna think." The best was when two dudes pulled up and I had a friend of mine who was a singer and he had really long hair and we're in our car and these two guys pull up and you see them going, my dad is driving by us and they go, oh, oh yeah. sorry guys. Well, you know what? They deserved that moment given how fragile their masculinity is that they had to wince. You, you know what? Point, yes. Screw those guys. Right. Yes. I'm with you. Yeah. Uh, I tell my friends all the time, it's like they say something about, um, I don't remember what there was. There's some kind of thing about some gay dudes or something. I was like, man, I work with so many gay guys. It's just like a normal thing. It doesn't, I mean, and I, don't you get hit on? I'm like, I get upset if I don't actually. I'm like, why I don't, don't I, like, am I not good looking enough? <laughs> so, like, I don't, I don't understand why that's threatening to people. And I think that's the only reason why uh, people feel that sort of discomfort is that they're threatened. And I, and that just says more about them than anything yeah. else. I don't know if it's something where they feel that they're not just comfortable enough in themselves. And they think that maybe they'll give in or something. They think that would be horrible. I don't know. Cause I've always been like, if they get, I never had a problem with a guy hitting on me. And if they do, I'm just like, my wife or my girlfriend, whatever it was at the time. But like, wouldn't you do that with anybody who hit on you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So it's like, to me, it's, um, I, I think it does say much more about the person who is threatened either by, by what they don't understand. They're yeah. frightened of what they don't understand. They they're frightened of somebody who thinks differently than them or feels differently or lives differently than them. Or they're frightened that maybe that, I mean, this happens a lot. They're frightened that, um, that maybe they are that and right. that, that, that they have, they can't wrap their brain around that, yeah. they, you know? And, um, and so they lash out. I mean, how many, um, how many representatives have we seen um, who are highly conservative and have particularly anti-gay agendas, policies that they push, who end up being closeted gay people? Oh, yeah. And it's like, just be who you are. Stop judging people for what they are. Just don't. Why do you give a fuck? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Anyway, so that that uh, that that kills me. Um, I'm with just, you. My, my, my stepmother used to have a, her best friend was, she was a golf pro, golf teacher, definite lesbian. My stepmother would not see it, did not see it. But this chick went to a church that preached anti-gay constantly. And I was like, yeah. why do you go to that church? I never understood yeah. that. But yeah, and it's hard has to deal with it. Their own, you know, I guess right. it has a lot to do with how you grew up and your parents. Yeah, and I think it's also something that be, it, the best we can do uh, if we want to be allies is listen and yeah. um, and not think we know better or then not think we know what the answer is. To, it, it is to try to learn and um, and uh, and listen and be open. Um, so yeah. anyway, I'm with yeah, you. yeah, Thanks, man, dude, this sure. I enjoyed it. I had a great time. I did too. Yeah, it's great to meet you. Yeah, nice meeting you and. Who the hell knows? Maybe when things open up and I'm in New York, stop by and grab lunch or um, take your picture or something. Sounds maybe, great. Maybe I'll compete with the other dude who's taking your picture and we'll see who's better. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that'd be great. And you could be like, <laughs> stop doing that weird thing with your mouth. Yeah, stop going, eh. Oh, actually, even better. Just say, 
do something resembling That's something. That's what I'll tell you. I'll tell you, do yeah. something resembling something. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Well, dude, perfect. thank you very much. Yeah, and, cheers. Uh, thank you. Talk to you later. See ya. Have a good one. Bye.